Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, I'm just a vessel of clay. I surrender myself to you. I have nothing of my own to offer except that which you give me. I don't stand here to speak my own words other than those that you put in my lips. And I don't stand here, Lord, to speak of my own, but to speak about you. For you are the unchangeable changer, you are the immovable mover, the unshakable shaker. I thank you and I worship you. Thank you for your people, Lord, for they are sitting here to receive from you, not from me. For you alone are worthy, you deserve all the glory, the honor, the praise. I surrender to you, Lord. I surrender my soul, body, and spirit. I surrender my lips, my hands, and everything that I am to you, Lord, this evening. That you alone may receive the glory, the honor, and the praise. There's no one like you, Lord. We thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Wow. It is imp- it's wonderful to be here. I want to honor the, the man of the house, man of God, Andre. Uh, what, what a humble man. And with his wonderful wife, praise the Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to give me a chance to, to be here. And I want to thank you and God for the team, the uh, intercessory team. Uh, through them, I was able to even share with the home cell, with the home uh, fellowship. And from there, here we are. And I think we are going higher and going further because the Lord has not given us the gift of stagnation, but he has given us the gift of progression. Hallelujah. And so I, I believe that um, where God is taking us is great, is further, is far and higher than where we are at the moment. Well, I, as Andre has, uh, has mentioned to you, um, it's been a long journey, a journey of about 38 years or so in the kingdom. It takes a lifetime to tell the stories. Uh, I have seen the goodness of God throughout my life. And I don't regret one bit the day I accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I have seen nothing but good from the Lord. And God has surprised me one day after the other. I remember the first miracle of resurrection. We were so young. I remember when we were growing up, um, you know, when Jomo Kenyatta took over presidency in Kenya, he abolished monarchies. And uh, after abolishing monarchies, he became the overall president, the overall king, the overall everything, the overall chief. Not like here, where monarchies have been allowed to continue. And so my great-grandfather was Chief Mumiana Bongo, the, f- the first African chief to ride, to ride on an iron horse. You know what's an iron horse? Bicycle. <laughs> and so he had his throne on the bicycle, so he was, he will sit there. He was a very prosperous king, and he was so blessed, he, he ruled with wisdom, not with a spear. He was not like King Shaga. And, and so we hail from him. So he ruled three quarters of Kenya from, I mean, western Kenya, the coastal area, up to the central part of Kenya. And, uh, uh, my mother comes from that royalty and my father comes from another one. Now, the royal lineage of my dad was not very good because um, 
the grandfather of my dad had a hundred wives. And I didn't like that. So I, when I gave my life to the Lord, I renounced the spirit of polygamy. <laughs> I renounced it in Jesus' name. I had to. Let me tell you something. We have to, uh, these things are spiritual. You have to, um, not to take it for granted. You have to um, take power and dominion in the spirit so that you may come out of your past. And it trails what we call generational curses, flow in the bloodline. And that's why some people are victims of cancer today, because of all you know. This thing is no secret. Even medical doctors are devices about this. So we do not take for granted our spiritual lineage. We don't take for granted. We have to, ne- to learn to renounce it. So I, I, I renounce to come out of that generation. So my ancestor on that side had so many wives, but he was a very strong leader. And, uh, yeah, so he afflicted fear in people. No one could steal anybody's egg, leave alone a hen. I think stealing a chicken alone was too big. Because if you're found stealing somebody's cow, he'll, he'll make you dig your own grave and they will bury you alive. Yeah, if you're found uh, going around to somebody's wife, then you are supposed to dig your own grave and they will bury you alive. So... Those were some of the generational curses I renounced when I gave my love to Jesus. And I've traveled a free journey. Praise the Lord. I thank God I'm a man of one wife. Praise the Lord. <laughs> okay. Um, besides all the things I would like to share with you, when we, we, because of this political stuff in the family, no wonder I've been... Uh, all the time interacted with politicians, advised them, and because my family is a political family, we've had a deputy president from our family, we've had all that. So, um, I, 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 as we, we travel this journey, while we gave our life to the Lord, um, we were so young in the Lord, I, can't, I can remember it should be 90, I mean 83 or 82 there, I'm not so certain, but one of those years, we were quite young in the Lord, and probably 18 years. So we were traveling on foot to go and witness somewhere. And first of all, we were praying among our 10 days of prayer and fasting. So our prophetic time used to be from 8 to 9 o'clock, to 9 in the night. So we, be, we used to be silent to receive prophetic words from God, just young people. And even the year... And the month that Nelson Mandela was going to be released, we were told at that time. We knew and we wrote it down. It's very accurate. So, um, we traveled a very long distance of about maybe 48 kilometers on foot. And when we reached somewhere, somebody stopped the car and gave us a lift. It was in the middle of the night. I mean, it was around um, 5 a.m. Just someone stopped and we were a couple of us who were about five. We were traveling to go and pray for someone in a, in a town that we knew, but we did not have an idea of where we were going. All we were told that you have to go to a home, so and so. So we went to that place, and when we arrived there, the, um, it was around 11 in the morning. We had traveled a long distance. So um, around 11, we found people were mourning in their home, and we got into the house, and we found a dead young girl of seven years she had died that same night and so god was sending us there for that 
Now, we were young, and so together my sister, my brother, and other two, uh, and other brethren that were with me. So they said, Festus, you are the, you are the risk taker. Please, you better want to pray. And I told them, by all means. So we told everyone else to move out of the house. And we began to pray. And we called the life of this little girl back. And she sneezed. She opened her eyes. And when we opened the door to walk out of that place, you know, we had this, uh, this wonderful zeal from the Bible. So when they opened the door for us to go, we didn't look back after raising that kid. We did not look back. So they came and they were shocked to find the kid was awake. We were walking very fast, running away. So they begged us and they held us, they begged us to come back. And the home, you know, in those villages when someone is dead, you hear a lot of screaming. Everyone is, everyone is mourning. So it's not like here. So, and then we've got professional mourners that come there just to... <laughs> they just come for that and they, they will mourn and, and go and, and wipe tears that don't exist they do some saliva like that so you think these people are really mourning and they hang around to just participate partake of the food that's being cooked around there because in those places sometimes food is very scarce you know so anyway uh, this, they brought us back, and with that zeal, we preached, and about 81 people got born again that morning, and when we, we, we did not even take water or anything, we left again, running and not looking back. Now, why were we doing that? We are obeying some areas in the scripture. They, they were telling us, uh, I mean, I don't know, but somehow we had our own Pentecostal beliefs. Praise the Lord. Uh, one thing I want to tell you is this. If these things were documented, I think we'll be having so much. And I concur when the Bible says that if all the books were to be written because of the miracles that Jesus Christ performed, the whole earth will be filled with books. There's so much. What is written in the Bible that Jesus performed is just a minor fraction of what Jesus did while on earth. Now, I want us to read our Bible quickly. Um, then I'll share with you another testimony. Okay, go with me uh, in the Bible, in the book of Acts, again, Acts of the Apostles, uh, chapter 1. When Jesus tells the disciples, we are still talking about um, we are just ch- chapter 1 from um, verse 4. Then we'll read verse 4 up to verse 7, then I'll skip. Um, I would like to to continue on the subject of the Holy Spirit. On the occasions while he was eating with them, he gave them his command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. For the gift my father promised, which you have heard, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, for when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? 
he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates for the father, uh, for, uh, the dates the father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, the key word here is witnesses. Those who are here in the morning, I said, the disciples of Jesus were as weak as anything while Jesus was still on earth. They were helpless and powerless as anybody else while Jesus was still with them. They depended on Jesus in every way. And they were lazy. But after Jesus left, they, there was a need for them to pray and first. But then he realized that they will do it in their flesh without the Holy Spirit. So he said, wait in Jerusalem for the gift. And the Holy Spirit is a promise. And they had to wait in Jerusalem for the promise to come. And he knew that this promise is what is going to make them become true witnesses of the gospel. Now, to be a witness, you need guts, man. For you to stand up and defend Zuma, it means you are really good from him. Here, this one is good, swollen. Your wallet is good, man. To stand up and fight gallantly for Jacob Zuma, hey, it's not just when he, give you, he gives you lip service. It means you are good here. All right? You're living well. Your bank account is looking good. Then you can stand up and fight gallantly for him. Now, Jesus Christ knew that the only way the disciples could be able to witness, he, they needed the power. They needed the power. Now, it is the power that gave them ability. It is that power that, of the Holy Ghost that gave them guts. For them to have, you know, to, to be gallant, to be, to, be, to be bold, to have guts to stand up and witness for him. Is it for them to be ready to receive any form of, um, they were ready for persecution. They were not afraid of persecution. They were not afraid of, 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 of victimization. They were not afraid of the consequences that come with the, with the gospel. And I want to dare you today that amongst us, if you find two types of Christian, one who is spirit-filled and speaking and bubbling in other tongues, and the other one is just a good Christian from one of these wonderful congregations, you know, those wonderful congregations, some normally say, I am very, very, um, really ignorant in the Bible here, and my heart is always, you know, trouble and i've got problems and problem this side i don't know what to do you know those so, so this kind of congregations i was there a long time now if if you come there and you're not spirit filled and 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 you're just a good christian you come to church and when you're walking even people can hear the sound of a clock they are not noisemakers like us here when we stand we, we, we stand up here and dance and and everyone is clapping hey hey in Catholic, you can't do that, man. You must walk sanctimoniously. Now, we take these types of Christian, one who is spirit-filled and is, is powerful and is moving in the anointing, 
and put them there and persecute both of them, the one who is spirit-filled will stand, will be ready to face any kind of persecution. He say, I'll die for Christ. But the one who is not spirit-filled will say, no, no, no. I was not serious. I was not serious, you know. Yeah. So Jesus knew that this is going to happen. And that's why he said, you must wait in Jerusalem. And then the power comes upon you. So it's on for the purpose of being true witnesses of the gospel. That's why you need the power. Say the power. You need that power. I said the authority, you have it. Which is a helmet of salvation. Which is Jesus Christ. You've received him. He's in your heart. That's wonderful. But you need that power. That power to propel you. That power to, to move you. You see... Without the Holy Spirit, I can liken you to these old motorcars that were there before. Whereby you have to take it off. I think the Afri- we, here we call it Sikorokoro, isn't it? And for, for, for it to go, you have to... Then you have to push it and then jump in, you know? But, but when you have the power of the Holy Ghost, you are like a direct injection. You just put in the key and you're gone. You don't have to warm it up. You know what I'm saying? If you don't have the power of the Holy Ghost, you're like that old motor car that needs to be warmed up before you take off. Now you can see the need. Praise the Lord. Now, how do you tell that you've been filled with the power of the Holy Ghost? You are able to tell only by... Being filled. Now, look. When you bubble in other tanks, for instance, it's like taking this water and pouring in a glass. Now, when it's overflowing, you'll see the water overflowing. That's an overflow. Bubbling in other tanks is simply an indication of an overflow. And, okay, it's an evidence that you've been filled. And... um. As we mentioned in the morning, that this helps you to speak mysteries or secrets unto God. When you're praying and you're, bow- and you're praying in other tongues, what you're doing is you're uttering mysteries, uh, secrets, or hidden things. And that language that you speak is only known to God. Now, the purpose of speaking in other tongues, it's also very important. Speaking in other tongues helps you to confuse the devil. Because the devil knows English, man. And the territorial demons understand Africans. They understand Kosa. And they understand Zulu. These are ter- territorial demons. But one language they don't understand are tongues. When you speak in tongues, they go something like, eh? What is he saying? And and the same devil asks his demons, what is he trying to say? A demon says, I don't know. I say, but, but, but he seemed to be very serious. Maybe they are planning something serious. Let's get out of here. Louis, <laughs> let's get out of here. Praise the Lord. So demons flee. There is always confusion in the spirit when you bubble, when you speak in other tongues. As I mentioned in the morning, that sometimes when you begin speaking in other tongues, the Spirit of God could be leading you just to pray for your neighbor next to you. And you're talking things like, hey, God, you see this mark here, Lord, and you're praying in other tongues. Even yourself, you don't know what you're telling God. Eh? But the Spirit of God is prompting you to pray for him. Say, so it's like, it's maybe you're saying something like, God, you see, eh, mark, eh, hey, 
You know, the way he was throwing his eyes. He doesn't have curtains on his eyes, Lord. I pray that you put curtains on his eyes, Lord. And, uh, and, 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 and Mark is not aware that this is what you're trying to pray for him about. Eh? Do you understand what I mean? The, uh, like like uh, um, the Bible says, Job said, I have made a covenant with my eye that I shall not look at the damsel twice. Eh? Praise the Lord. So maybe... Maybe you're just praying for something like that. And you don't want Mark to know that you... uh, And the Spirit of God does not want Mark to know that you know. eh? And even yourself, you don't know, maybe. (laughs) So what I'm trying to say is that the Holy Ghost helps you to speak mysteries unto God. The Holy Spirit will help you to edify yourself. When you speak in other tongues, you are edifying yourself. You are building up yourself. You are strengthening your inner self. And it is powerful, it's dynamic. It's good for the church. The Bible says prophecies are good for the church. They are there for the edification of the church. And when we speak in other tongues, we must, sometimes God gives us interpreters among us. If the, the language we are speaking is, 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 is good for the church, the Lord will give us interpretation. And it's going to be for the good of the church. There will be some of us, and if there's this, among the gifts of the Spirit that we have to pray and trust God, is we have to trust God to give us interpretation of tongues. Some of us, we have said, Lord, I pray that you give me interpretation of tongues. That, Lord, when, when, when people begin bubbling in other tongues, give me that interpretation. So you find someone stands up and says, and then you stand up and say, he's saying this is what the Lord says, you know. That is also a gift of its own. The gift of interpretation of tongues. This is also scarce in the church. So we need to pray and ask God when he's, while he's filling us with different kinds of gifts that we are trusting from him. We have to trust God also for the interpretation of tongues. And this is for the edification of the body. So it is powerful, it is wonderful, and it is sweet. Now, to be good, to be a true witness of Christ, you need to, to be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, um, I mentioned earlier, I'll just want to take in a few minutes to highlight other functions that we spoke earlier. Some other functions include, of course, as we said, the Holy Spirit is our counselor. When you read the book of John chapter 14, um, from verse 15, it gives us the functions or the work of the Holy Ghost. And John chapter 16 is also 16 from verse 5. So let us uh, quickly look at that. You see that he shall be our counselor, our guide, and our teacher. Okay? Now, to counsel you means to, 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 to um, counseling you, it means giving you direction in the, to the right path. Okay? That's giving a direction to the right path or to do the right thing. Now, listen, saints. One of the problems with Christians is guilt. Now, the devil will want to keep you in guilt and make you delve in guilt all your life. Guilt is not of God. Conviction, the Spirit of God will convict you unto repentance. The Spirit of God will not push you into guilt. Guilt is not... One of the fruits of the Spirit. So if, if you, you dwell in guilt and condemn yourself all the time, you put yourself in constant court 
and you jail yourself and you imprison yourself, you sentence yourself. That's not the will of God. That's not the spirit of God. The spirit of God leads you unto repentance. The spirit of God convicts you unto repentance. The Bible says, therefore now, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, if you made mistakes in your past life, don't carry that trailer in, into the future because it's too heavy. You not, not get into the future with that trailer. Cut it off. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because the Spirit of God will not make you live in constant guilt. There are these people always saying, I blame myself, I blame myself. One woman in Germany, I was preaching in Germany, and one woman, about 30 years, she had separated with her husband. Her husband was a British soldier, and they were really in love. But I think for whatever reason, they separated. And she left, I mean, the husband left and went to Canada and married another woman. This woman stayed in Germany. She never got involved with anybody. She stayed in Germany mourning and not forgiving him. If you are of a German descent, my wife is German. If you are of a German descent, you know how Germans are. Very, very uh, detailed. They pay attention to detail. They're meticulous. Um, this man is an engineer, and I've never found such a clean engineer and organized. You know, I know most engineers, mathematicians, to be very scruffy. They, don't, they can't even comb their hair. So, uh, you, know, you, you know, Germans, a, a German, you cannot tell him, him or her, that um, um, uh, this, this, is, this paper is an A5. You say, no, 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 um, but, but, but um, it, I don't think it's A5. But it says, no, 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 it's not. And they'll make sure they measure all the, 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 the corners to be sure that it's exactly A5. Otherwise, if it's A5.009, eh, it is not an A5. They're very, <laughs> they're out quest for perfection so um what am i saying i'm out of order praise the lord yeah yeah so the german lady was um she stayed there mourning over the husband for years and it attracted a lot of diseases on her body she began to suffer from um i don't know glycoma i don't know arthritis and what what and what what diabetes a lot, her body just became a home of all kinds of ailments. So when I was preaching in a town called Parabon, she was brought to me for prayer. And I, I said, so lady, first of all, God showed me that there's a lady who was, you know, anyway, the Spirit of God gave me uh, information about her. So when she came before me, she gave me a string of all the diseases that are on her body. Until I said, okay, woman, where do we start? <laughs> eh, which one do we pray for? <laughs> so I was going to tell Jesus, I said, Jesus, I want a holistic overhaul. So she had all these diseases. What was the problem? Because she could not forgive this husband. She has held everything against him for over 30 years. And unforgiveness is not... Something that works against the person who offended you. Unforgiveness is a sword against yourself. So you either decide to throw away that sword or you let it devour you, destroy you. So that disease, that, all those diseases is because of unforgiveness. So um, 
These are the trails that the Holy Ghost will help you get rid of. The Holy Spirit will help you get rid of this. It will help you get out of guilt, get out of unforgiveness, get out of anger, get out of all kinds of your past. And I, I thank God for the program that my brother was testifying that is uh, helping you to get rid of all the hochos of the past. And unforgiveness is one of those hochos, isn't it? So in Cape Town, um, 2001, the Holy Ghost did something else. I was sharing with the brethren. I don't know whether I shared the testimony. Uh, when the Lord raised this lady also from the dead, she's called Brenda. She was a teacher, beautiful woman, born out of two races, uh, Malaysian and colored. And she had nice little eyes. She was beautiful, smooth skin. And the devil had hit her with, a fl- with epilepsy. She used to suffer from epilepsy. And um, I, um, I did not know that there was such a person existing at that time. But it happened that I, when I was preaching in a pl- place called East River, uh, in the church of a man of God called Peter Long, uh, they came to call me around 1 o'clock that Brenda had died. She dropped at 8 in the morning before she left for school. She dropped, uh, you know, to, she, she was convulsing as usual. They thought she's going to wake up after a while. This time, she decided to carry her basket and go. It was a very ceremonial way of departing. So she died. And then they took her to the mortuary, near hospital there. They took her to that government mortuary there. So it was my first time to preach in Cape Town. At that time, I had had meetings at uh, Shekinah Tabernacle, for those who know Cape Town. And uh, so I was preaching in this place. So they called me that Brenda had died. So this young man that came to me is called Charles. He came and said, man of God, I know. If you come to that mortuary, my sister will wake up. I know. Look at that. Then quickly I remembered the daughter of Jairus and Jairus, the Roman, the centurion, and then the Roman commander. He said, I know. He did not say, I think. He did not say, I believe. Now, this is what I was telling you. When you get filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, you supersede the level of having faith in God. You begin to have the knowledge of God. You get to know God. It's a higher dimension of getting to know God. So this young man said, I know, which means it was just above having faith in me as a servant of God and having faith in what God can do. So when he said, I know, I said, oh my God, this is big. So we, at three o'clock, we left going to the mortuary, but we could not go to a government mortuary without the police. Eh? How about if we are planning to steal some bodies there? <laughs> so we had to take one captain and one constable and one sergeant. There were three of them and we left. So on the way, I was told, I, I remembered, you know, I had the devil telling me, Festus, what do you think you are? Do you think your master is a rector or who do you think you are? How about if this woman doesn't wake up? You know, the devil now is whispering to me. And it's like something, and I found myself, shut up, devil. It's not my, none of your business. And just continue going. And, 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 uh, 
and, 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 and we, we went. And uh, when we reached the mortuary, I told Charles, I said, I think we should not enter with these policemen because they are not at the same level of faith with us. Can we tell them to stay out? So he said, Charles said, yes, I think so. He said, good. So we got inside. Another miracle. The mortuary, the, the fridges were full. Brenda was waiting, was in a waiting area. <laughs> Isn't God wonderful? So now we walk in there. And we look at the body. And it looks like she, she died almost with a smile. And I said, oh my God, this is a wonderful way of dying. Dying with a smile without any pain. So I felt that Brenda was sleeping. She was not dying. She was not dead. She was just having a siesta. So I told Charles, Charles, let's pray. And I told the police to wait outside just at the entrance. I said, don't worry. If you see us coming out with a body, just arrest us. But if you come out freed, then uh, we are safe. So anyway, they waited outside. We got inside and we, we began to pray. And when we began to pray, I ha suddenly I was configured and I became a very tall, huge person. I felt like I was towering the sky. I felt like those high buildings of Cape Town were small, shorter than this bottle. They were all under my feet. You know, I felt I was huge standing in front of that body. That's how I knew how great we are. And if I could be that big, how big is God? In this, I was really changed in the spirit. I felt so big. And something told me, hit her chest and call her name. And I hit her chest and I called her name. You know, how, you know what, what an ironical way of looking at things. I'm that big and still I can hit the chest of a very small person. Look at that. So anyway, I called her name and blood and a bit of foam began to come on the side. And the pulse came immediately. And Charles screamed. Charles shouted. And uh, the police jumped in with the, with the guns. And my question is, they wanted to kill the dead. <laughs> Honestly, with the guns right in their hands, so shoot. I, I was like, do you want to shoot the dead? <laughs> and captain was a black guy. He came and when he reached close to the body, Brenda opened the eyes. The man jumped back and ran. He forgot that he had a gun, man. <laughs> Why could he shoot her? <laughs> Hallelujah. She came back to life. That woman was a teacher. She resigned and she's written a book. She's traveled. I, I don't know. When, when she released the first book in uh, 2005, she sent a copy to me. And we, I, we, we had our own issues happening in Durban, in a place where we had our offices, and we lost a lot of everything. So uh, I have to try and follow up. I hope that book is published on the, on the net. She stopped teaching. She's preaching. And our, last time I heard that she's in Australia, and she's traveling the world. She's preaching the gospel. She can't help it. Amen. These are not stories. These are true testimonies from above. And it happened. So with issues of resurrection, 
uh, it still happens and you can do it. You can do it. You've got the power. When you get the power of the Holy Ghost, you can do it. Praise the Lord. The Bible says, and these signs and wonders shall follow them that believe. Not just a few. Them that believe. If you believe, it will happen. As I've seen every other miracle happening in life, it can happen and God will use you to perform these signs and wonders. We can continue writing the book of Acts. Praise the Lord.